Uh, happy inauguration day, guys. Yay. Happy inauguration day. I'm really, really happy that it was a boring day. I feel you, buddy. I feel you. So we're going through all of President Trump's pardons and figuring out the top ten? Oh, Christ. <clears throat> Had to get one jab in there, Tom. Congratulations. Actually, you know uh, what was exciting? Like, the stock market loves Biden. So, <laughs> <laughs> the promise was we get Biden elected, we flip the Senate, and everybody gets $2,000. Well, it's true for me. <laughs> Time's up. Let's do this. I'm ready. I'm not ready. Welcome, dear listener, to the QQ Cast. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, and we're your hosts on the pod, Zach Mayer and Raul Torres. Say happy inauguration day, gentlemen. What? Yay! I refuse to. Whatever. I'm I'm listening to Mr. Z, and Z says that there is no president anymore. (laughs) We're just. We're over it. We're over the whole thing. (sighs) And this, dear. Uh, and this, dear listener, is Quest 134. Uh, what were some awesome changes of medium? So, uh, yeah, dear listener, got a got a list of fun things here. Zach and Ruli, I uh, I don't know what you're gonna be able to throw on this on this fire, but let's um, let's start out with the one that inspired the whole list: Star Wars changing from movies to television. We just spent a ton of time recently reviewing Star Wars shit and, and Mando, um, and now we were talking about how Disney has gone all in on the streaming services we're gonna have like nine maybe it was 10 different shows uh with book of boba fett so what do you guys think of uh star wars changing medium so do you really want to start at mando or do you want to start at the clone Wars stuff because i don't know anything about it but i do know a lot of people are really into it well it's like live action tv and animated are almost different mediums themselves right so, Star Wars so going d- double, from, double hops then? Well, I mean, it was the safe bet to go animated first, right? Like, Star Trek did it, and it sucked, but nobody was, nobody remembers Star Trek the Animated Series, right? 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 Oh, that's um, on one of my lists. <laughs> but Clone Wars was awesome, and so they got to do more. And then Filoni and Favreau went and did shit like The Mandalorian, and now we live in the best possible future. So... You know, it's it's good. It definitely worked. I would not have imagined that it would work if I had considered the question before these shows were a thing. Like, I don't remember when Clone Wars was. I want to say, like, 2006, right? If you asked me in 2003, hey, what if Star Wars came to television? I'd be like, mm, I'll watch it, but I'm not expecting much. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, oh, I think got all this cool stuff. I think it's cool that it's arrived here. I I think now, and maybe it's only with the benefit of hindsight. Maybe it should have been obvious. I don't know. Um, I think when you look at the storytelling format, I I just think that smaller episodes are arguably just better for Star Wars, right? Like the Star Wars movies. Look, we all love Star Wars movies, but I don't know. You can just tell a smaller, more cohesive, interesting little story in a in a Mando episode or one of these episodes than you can. I don't know what was what was the clone or attack of the clones about? Like, yeah. it's attacking, duh. 
clones are attacking. Well, shit, I guess, I guess that answered my question. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong, and it definitely does work. And considering that Star Wars is mostly a setting, like, it, that more than anything else, more than any other characters, it's a setting, right? Definitely episodic content is more conducive to exploring that setting than movies. I mean, to be honest, all of the movies are kind of garbage in the face of Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, burn. Fucking burn. But if you're going to talk about, like... If you're going to talk about medium changes and Star Wars, talk about Star Wars going from movies to books. Ooh. Uh, that, like, oh, man, one of the extended universe, son of a bitch. Zach, that's a good... Damn, that's pretty good. Go ahead. Well, like, it's one of the few that does that, right? Like, the movie came first, and then all these books came out, because it introduced this really novel setting, and then people wanted to explore it. And the only way that they could do it in a reasonable amount of you know time, effort, and budget was to write books, to write fan fiction, to write this entire mythos. And because Star Wars nerds are this special class of anal and weird, <laughs> all of it's internally consistent. And it, that's the, the really impressive thing about the whole extended universe. They try really, really hard, and in some cases are wildly conspiratorial about keeping the entire extended universe internally consistent. And that's, that's really, really cool. That you see a collaboration like that among you know dozens and dozens of authors, uh, you know, collectively storytelling in this setting, and then taking that, you know, now we're seeing extended universe stuff that was written in books start to come out onto television in the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian, and soon you know, book of whoever. There's going to be like eight books. Um, it's pretty cool, but it almost, in retrospect, feels natural. There were a lot of steps that took Star Wars from movie to television, and so many things could have gone entirely, call it wrong, to to just not end up where we are today, but they didn't. That's pretty cool, and just in itself. And the fact that we have quality TV in Star Wars, and it works... Hey, we arrived, amazing. we arrived where we are today because one man knew that merchandising was where the real money's made. <laughs> <laughs> merchandising. Ugh. This podcast yeah. is brought to you by the Book of Boba Fett. Hey, kids, are you tired of all that Baby Yoda, Grogu merchandise? Yeah, that was so 2020. Now you can buy the Book of Boba Fett. You can buy it on streaming. You can buy it in paperback. You can buy it in hardback. You can buy the coffee table book of Boba Fett book. What? You totally buy that. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have, I have a question. Is Are we talking about adaptation? Or are we talking about like branching off and doing other things? Like, what's? Give me a little bit of rules here, because I think adaptation might be too generic but I'll, I'll run with it if i can most i oh. think most of my entries are going to fall under adaptation which is probably the shittier answer not most okay yeah, like half. okay well yeah. i'm going to do the only good one i can think of Go ahead. um slightly branch um so there's a certain comic book that i really love and i finished the whole thing and there is a certain game that came out of that pocket uh, that pocket i can't even talk that, that comic book that i think a lot of folks like uh do you have any guess what that is tom in particular oh yeah hmm et got pilgrim no oh uh, the walking <laughs> dead season one. Oh lord <laughs> 
Well played, sir. Yes, the Telltale well, series. Well played. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of folks are fans of like a lot of the Telltale stuff. Um, I can't remember <laughs> any of ones that were like knocking out of the park until The Walking Dead. I like I remember there was like Wolf Among Men or a couple other things, but I feel like this was the one that put them on the map, unless I totally was oblivious the, to that. The Wolf Among Us, they had uh, Back to the Future, which actually like had, I think, um, Christopher Lloyd and even a cameo by, uh, uh, oh my God, Fox, Michael J. Fox. They had Jurassic Park again, but no, yeah, their, their breakout, the thing that made them super huge was Walking Dead season one. Yeah, so it was, um, I mean, you, putting everything in the whole Walking Dead universe, which it doesn't really expand too much on any type of mythos or anything, but uh, it was re- pretty cool from a character intro- uh, introduction perspective. Um, the girl who I did, the orange, not orange, Clementine. Clementine. <laughs> Clementine. And, and Leah Burwitt. Uh, so uh, he, he was the, the main character. Um pretty cool how a lot of that stuff was set up i think like it had a, it was really tight I, I feel like the ending was pretty good um enough of leaf's lee's story was pretty awesome to kind of end it there additional stuff with clementine but i, I didn't follow it up after like i mean i played a couple of the other seasons but i don't know season one was the best um zach did you ever play that game at all i did um and i was never a particular walking dead fan like i i kind of you, you had to be aware of it because it was so just all pervasive. Yeah, it, it was everywhere for a good long while. Um, my personal understanding of The Walking Dead as it relates to like quality over time is that it had a pretty drastic decline after so many years. It makes I lump it into the same category as Lost. Um, but I did play The Walking Dead season one, the Telltale walking dead and loved it like it was it was fantastic and i'm not a big adventure game kind of person um it was you know not super interesting from even a gameplay perspective but i guess the characters from that show and the translation of those characters into the video game and the way that they interact and the way the story unfolds around them um well, it, it, it was it was, it was all it was it was pretty much all original characters i think in season one there was only a cameo from one character from the main series but other than that it was all like all new stuff which i think for me i was a little hesitant but i think that kind of let them do a little bit more stuff definitely yeah yeah and that's fair i mean as far as character driven dramas go like you can do worse than having a world populated by zombies as a backdrop right I don't know. I think one of the things we've learned in the last decade is that uh, the zombie apocalypse runs out of steam real fast. <laughs> I think much like a real zombie apocalypse, that might sound cool at first, and then it is going to get real boring real fast. Yeah. yeah. Look, I loved, you know, Ruli, you're the one who got me into it. Uh, you know, I read a bunch of the Walking Dead comics, and man, they, they start out strong and then start to meander. The show, I really wanted to like it, kind of started out okay, and then it started to meander. The games, season one, lightning in a bottle. And then again, I, I played uh, season two. I never actually did the final Clementine season three wrap up. Maybe I should, but started meander. I, oh, that is a genre I just think runs out of steam real fast. Yeah, yeah. No, I, did, I didn't finish season three either. So mm. anyways, that, that's all I have for that one. So do, <laughs> great. What you guys got great do better, do better. Setting, setting the bar higher. Zach, you want to take a stab or you want me to keep going? Um, 
You know, I, I, I could do a double header because honestly, the jump from book to movie feels like cheating. So I'm going to lump two together. Do it. Um, so Ready Player One and Ender's Game. Hmm. I feel like they both had a lot of the same issues, but I feel like they hit the high points in the same way as well. I mean, the I battle know, in my mind's was... eye, they're kind of really similar. The battle school was pretty well shown in the movie, even if the movie was very mediocre. It wasn't bad, it was just very mediocre. Yeah, no, well, and same with Ready Player One. Like, the 80s references were fun, but that thing is a fetish book for the 80s. And the visuals in the movie were fantastic. The scene where they bombed the stacks, that was great. Um, just like the battle school. But it's just like, there's there's these little hooks of like, oh, this is such a cool concept, I wish I could see it. It feels like somebody was like, man, I've got this vision of what's happening in the books in my head, but I'm not going to go back and reread the books before I produce these movies. I'm just going to go with what I imagined was happening. And it's not great. They're not good adaptations of the source material. Some of the lines are faithful, and you kind of have to be because, well, to be honest, Lord of the Rings set the standard. If you're going to have dialogue from books in the movie, that whole trilogy is just quoting the books. But um, yeah, it's just like they were visually fun and I enjoyed both movies. But with the caveat that like, okay, I know these were books and I've read those books, but I'm going to try and divorce my expectations from what the book set up for me. And just enjoy what somebody created as a fan film. And they're fine that way. And I don't think those are the only two examples of movies that have been adapted from books that are kind of like that. So, so like, I, I, I don't want to sound dismissive, but you're saying going from book format to maybe more of a popcorn digestible flick? Yeah, well, it's just... It's the classic bit, right? Like, the book was better. Well, of course the book was better. The book had a lot more room. You don't have as much room when you're dealing with film. You have an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and you got to cram in 400 pages of exposition and dialogue and subtext and narration that you really just shouldn't be doing in a movie in the first place. Like, adapting narration, which both those books have a lot of, is legitimately hard. And honestly not worth attempting in most cases. And I don't think it was really worth attempting in these cases either. Oh, I'm sorry. Have so you seen David Lynch's masterpiece of Dune? <laughs> yeah, Best well, narration ever. Well, this, this character has an internal monologue. How will we display that in film? Voiceover. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, hate, I hate to say it, but there's only one thing I remember. I pretty sure one, and it's the unofficial theme song. I'm going to put in the chat. Chat, so you're gonna be bombarded by the uh, annoying things. But uh, Tom, you should totally play this on the podcast. I, 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 I don't know if y'all have seen this video or not, but um, it's it's all I remember from Ready Player One. Remember King Kong? Remember Ferris Bueller? Remember War Games and Back to the Future? Remember Tomb Raider? Remember Weird Science? Remember Battletoads and the Iron Giant? Remember Star Wars and Transformers the movie? Remember Ghostbusters? Remember the Goonies? Remember when Neon used to be trendy? Remember the Where's the Beef Lady from Wendy's? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, that is perfect. 
Remember Akira? That's from Japan. Remember Galaga and Mrs. Pac-Man? Remember Contra. Remember Street Fighter? Remember the A-Team. Remember Knight Rider? Remember The Simpsons, seasons one through nine? Remember logging onto America online? Remember Highlander and Highlander 2? Remember Star Trek? We certainly do. I'm I'm willing to give it to you. It it's I, I think it's good. Like it's it's interesting to me only because it's so middle of the road. Like this is kind of what you expect from a film ad- adaptation of a book. And I only really wanted to bring them up because this is setting the bar. Like these and it's not a high bar. Like this is the median, right? Like this is the median quality that that we should expect from book to movie adaptations and, and at least at least i feel like with like like those type of films where i like going from the book to the movie it, it's fine like i'm not like sad or angry or anything about it right but I, I definitely feel like at least it's a good gateway for folks that are like oh hey this this the movie was fun but i'm sure there's a little <laughs> bit more like bigger world to flesh out like it it kind of gets more people interested so i, I like i did give it credit for that type of stuff so mm-hmm. that's good well, okay, I will I will follow that up, Zach, with uh, one movie-to-film adaptation, because I think there's a little side-tangent conversation we can have here. And that's, of course, the Tolkien masterpiece of The Lord of the Rings being adapted to mm-hmm. the big screen. Now, there had already been animated adaptations of The Hobbit and even the first <laughs> half of Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. So there had already been some, uh, some attempts, but then, of course, we got the live-action Peter Jackson films. They were amazing. Um, we got the Hobbit films, which were lukewarm at best and now we're about to have the amazon series so we have had like all of the 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 token stuff adapted uh, across the board here and this isn't getting into like video games kind of thing um so i don't know i I don't again this is a a book adaptation which is is super common i don't have a whole lot to add but um do you guys think the streaming so we'll do the tangent conversation do you guys think the streaming service has potential have you heard like the synopsis got leaked recently um does it, so, do it care? Like <laughs> not not having looked at really anything that they're going to do. Um, I will tell you what intrigues me about it. They're dealing with the material that's in the Silmarillion, right? And I, I don't know so. if you guys have you, uh, have you guys ever like tried to read the Silmarillion. Well, no, doesn't no. it literally read like Cliff Notes? It's a history book, like it's a history textbook. <laughs> that's that's how it's written, and honestly. If you're a nerd for that kind of lore, it's fantastic. Like tons of details, tons of timelines. You can, you know, trace lineages and all that good stuff. What is interesting to me about having a Netflix series or whoever it was, it was Amazon. I don't remember. It's Amazon. Um, having a having a television series using the Silmarillion as a base, it's almost like any kind of historical fiction that you would watch. Um, you know, the crown comes to mind. That's a recent one. Uh, it's just in a fantasy setting. So they get a lot of room to play and there's not a huge amount of like, call it character development or, you know, intense drama in the Silmarillion. None of that is there. It's a very dry text. So they get to inject all of that into their series, into their show. They basically have this empty scaffold on which they can hang all the pretty cool shit that they want. So I'm interested to see what kind of pretty cool shit they come up with. 
Well, congratulations. I think your pitch was the best one I've heard for that show because I've just been wondering, like, uh, what are they going to do with this? Are we really going to care? And um, congratulations. You should pitch movies in Hollywood because, damn, that was that was, that was well, the most compelling thing I've heard for that show. <laughs> it has my curiosity. It doesn't yet have my attention. <laughs> let's say like it could be absolute garbage. And honestly, I know so little about the show. I don't know who's running it. I don't know who's writing it. I don't know who's directing. Um, and I don't really care to, I will watch the first maybe two or three episodes, uh, to see if it's got a good mouthfeel. And if it doesn't, then I won't feel bad about dropping it, but I do hope it's good. And like, I don't hope for things to fail. Oh, yeah, same here. My my saying I don't really know what they're going to do with it or the fact that I'm not excited about it doesn't mean that I want bad things. I want lots. I want good things. Why would anyone want things to suck? Like, come on. <laughs> you should want yeah. things to be good. No, it's tempered expectations. But uh, I do think that that's going to be interesting. And I don't know of another book like that that's been adapted to a different medium. Um, I mean... Basically, any historical fiction you could maybe lump together with it if you really tried. But because of that fantasy bent, because it's made up history, alternative history, even I, I don't know of any good alternative history movies. Oh, except Red Dawn. Questionable. Red Dawn is a classic and I will fight you. Clearly. Okay, I, I, I have another one. Um, okay, so I don't know if this qualifies because I don't know anything about the source material, uh, but I totally dug the Amazon show adaptation. So have you all heard about Homecoming before? It's a Spider-Man movie. Obviously. Totally. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, no, so it's, it's, it sort of has a like, ep- episodic part podcast. I guess all podcasts are episodic. Sure, whatever. Um, but it turned into a, a show uh, adaptation with uh, Sandra Bullock actually taking the lead. So kind of high-level synopsis is uh, Swarman's a social worker at the Homecoming Transition Support Program for, like, uh, for U.S. military folks. And um, kind of starts there. There's some shenanigans going on, and it's kind of one of those like forward and backward in time type things where this woman pretty much ends up as a waitress at the end. But you're kind of wondering, well, why was she running this facility and now she's a waitress? Kind of storytelling, what's going on thing. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Wait, this this was adapted from what? A podcast. So a podcast did a change of medium to a show. Yes. All right. Well, shit, well, dude. Congratulations. Neat. You definitely uh, checked the box for the, the criteria. Yeah. So uh, reception season one has the first season is 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. I think eight Metacriticers, but it's just the eight ish out of 10. So uh, get pretty decent uh, critical reception. It was cool. I dug it. Um, What is it wow. like episodes? So, um, yeah. Nice. How we can we can have a television show, gentlemen? Could happen. <laughs> all all of the Netflix executives that are listening to the QQ cast. <laughs> well, again, after they hear about your your amazing pitching, Zach, they're uh, they're gonna subscribe and line up. Well, uh, shit, really, that that might have been the most unique uh, adaptation for uh, change of medium. I I didn't see that coming. Damn, uh, Zach, you got one. Hmm. 
All right. Well, I'll I'll keep I'll keep trucking. Um, can I can I t-ball one? Can I t-ball a super easy one that I I don't know any of a, a one, but I'm sure both of you can speak of it. I, I don't know what t-ball has to do with this, but yes, go ahead. Uh, the, the, Witcher, the Witcher. Oh, obviously. From uh, <laughs> boy, wait, wait, wait. From book to game, or from book to uh, Netflix. Choose choose your destiny on this one. Take your poison, kids. <laughs> I mean, both were fantastic. Yeah, I, I think probably the one that is uh, worth noting here is is the adapta- adaptation of video game, right? Like, there have been plenty of adaptations of things into video games, movies, and novels, but The Witcher really, man, I can't think of anything else that quite took, and I didn't play The Witcher, I think, I know Zach, I know you did, um, I can't think of anything else that really took it and ran with it to the same extent of like, hey, we have all these books, but we're able to make this open world, and we're actually going to compete with content, and some of it's going to be from books, but some of it's not, like... I can't think of anything else that expanded uh, quite like that. Like, genuinely, I can't. Yeah, I'm coming up pretty dry as well. And the fun part about the video game is that it took them three tries. Uh, It's a master of the formula, yes. Yeah, well, The Witcher 1 was okay. Witcher 2 was better. Neither of them were, like, the same kind of open-world masterpiece that Witcher 3 was. Um, it, I feel like they got to spend the time that it would take to really do that right. And they got to iterate on, you know, the ideas and the formulas and the, you know, the engaging mechanics, all that good stuff that makes a good game, but they never really strayed very far from the source material, at least in spirit. And they had, uh, I've forgotten the guy's name, uh, the author. Uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. I don't know. Um, author of The Witcher. Uh, okay, cool. So I can't pronounce that guy's name. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with uh, Andre Sapkowski. Uh, anyway, it, it, they they had him as a consult, so they got hands on with the creator of this this fantasy series. They did so many things right in the end, and they ended up with one of the best games of all time. I feel like they took that learning, or whoever decided that, hey, let's pick this up as a, as a series, took a lot of cues from that, because he was also involved in the series. Um, lots of other decisions go into making something good. That one I want to call out specifically because it's a direct parallel that I can draw between the two different changes in medium. You know, they kept the original creator in the loop. Uh, I think beyond that, though, like the success of both of those really hinges on the fact that the books that he wrote were good. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to like be reductionist about it. Like there's just he does a good job of setting up a setting, but also having a few core characters that he can really explore that setting with. And both the game and the show just move that ball further down the court, right? The show, I would argue, is great, but it's still getting its legs. There's a ton of, like, sort of background knowledge that everybody's supposed to just kind of know that you're introduced to over time in the game because you're living it, right? You can only absorb so much at a time. You can only teach people so fast while they're trying to perform tasks and well, in the case of The Witcher, stay alive. With the show, it was much more 
rapid fire stuff. It was very densely packed, especially in some of the early to middle episodes and the time skips, man, you had to really pay attention, right? Um, now that a lot of that's out of the way, I think the next season is going to be even better. Yeah. We never, but, we never actually QQ reviewed the Witcher on the cast. And I kind of wish we had, cause I, I, I have some thoughts. That. We didn't finish it. I didn't finish it. I just God, finish damn it. Really? <laughs> uh, well, there well, you go. That's I, what I, ever did. I'm going to be out for a couple, couple of spots soon. Uh, so I, I feel free. Like y'all, y'all could have that one, have the Witcher discussion, please. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I remember it now. Um, anyway, oh, I was just, just going to say that the time jumps say. were unintuitive, in my opinion. <laughs> we can just go, yeah, we can go rewatch it. Uh, we can rewatch it on the cast. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I have another one, but we, we can only talk about it for 30 seconds, because we've already talked about it enough. Are you ready? Oh, God. Video game adaptation into crazy anime series. Adaptation into crazy anime series. Uh... Oh, oh, God damn it, Ruli, I love you. You're, you're beautiful. Fucking beautiful, sir. Sonic? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not no, seen the Sonic out of it yet. Vampire Killer. Working. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I feel like we've had like four episodes about it. I don't think we need to get more into Castlevania, but I think that that fits very snugly in your your criteria. Tom. Yeah, no. Given that that really is, given how few good adaptations there are from video game to anything else, having it go to uh, anime was uh, pretty badass. Really, you're really good at this game. You are winning the podcast, sir. Agreed. Thank you. God that damn. That is a good one. Yeah, okay, so I was actually, I was going to bring up something that was uh, a two-video game adaptation, but this is, an entire genre was adapted from basically this one pen and paper RPG. What could I be talking about? Donuts mm. and Dragons? Correct. Dungeons and Dragons becoming <laughs> video games. Not not that the actual Dungeons and Dragons video games, specifically, but, like, the entire RPG genre was born of, and, and it's still fundamentally based on, like, uh, D and D rules, and when you go back and you listen to interviews about the classic, like you know, the JRPG was born out of uh, Japan, and when you go back and you look at the classic origin of that, all the developers are like, oh, we were literally just Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy. They were literally just trying to figure out how they could play D and D in a video game. When you listen to even the Western stuff, Ultimo with Richard Garriott, it was just trying mm -hmm. to adapt D and D campaigns into video games, and so. There's no shortage of amazing games and series that, you know, were adapted, but from fucking D&D, just from pen and paper. Uh, and again, I know we look back at that and say we've been doing this for 50 years and it's so obvious, but it can't be understated how weird that was at the time. Um, you know, the, the creation of the RPG from this bizarre pen and paper shit and the fact that that is still as pervasive as it is today. It's the, the fundamental building block of, of, of so much today. Um, well, that's that's kind of the origin of a lot of that's kind of the origin of a lot of games, though, right? Like you start with a paper prototype and then kind of develop it from there. You figure out the rule set and what works and what doesn't, and then sure, you go. Sure, and build but the thing. you're not you're not going to say that. Like, I mean, a lot of things start with paper paper prototyping. Absolutely, but you you can't say that like the origin of the platformer was a, a specific thing, or the origin of the first person shooter was just real life adapted. You know, like you're not going to say that versus like. No, yeah. basically every RPG is still fundamentally D and D with stat points. Like it's still with fundamentally with dice rolls. Like it's it's still fundamentally D and D. Yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it. it feels so re- it feels so natural in retrospect. Uh-oh. I've got sirens. That means it's time for double jeopardy. <laughs> well, cool. I think we got ten minutes left because uh, I know really, um, I know you're you're on a bit of a time tonight. So I have two more items that I actually think are the really the really fun ones uh, on this on this list. So really, do you want to do you want to stick something else in here or? I don't, I don't think it's going to count, um, but I want to say it anyways because I like it. Um, really good horror movie that turns into a character in a poker game? Sure, why not? What uh, the this... fuck? <laughs> Ash, Ash was in the Steam poker game. Um, oh, I know. They, they had a crossover with all sorts of characters, right? Like Brock uh, and... Brock from, yeah, yeah. Adventure Brothers. What, and, what was that uh, game called? I think it was, it was like Poker Night, I want to say two. But there was a whole bunch of stuff in front of it, so... Uh, never thought I would have fun uh, trying to uh, win the Necronomicon for math. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't. Yeah, I, again, you're 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 skirting the line on on the criteria, but I kind of love it. <laughs> Not bad, man. Not bad. Okay. Um. Cool. So I've got two more items here. So uh, and I, I change of medium. Okay. Emphasis on the word medium. You guys can tell me if you think this is valid. Uh, Nintendo going from a uh, home entertainment system to a handheld with the Game Boy. This fucking game changer. I mean, up until just 2017, um, I guess officially 2018, Nintendo had, you know, cornered the handheld market. It had been the most powerful thing uh, in the handheld market for, uh, brr, how many years was that? Um, late 80s to, to then, so uh, about 30 years. And that, that's a change of medium, and they did it extremely well. Uh, I realize it's not a specific intellectual property, but I, I kind of thought that was clever when I thought of this for this list. So what do you guys think? Does that does that meet the criteria? When you said Nintendo, I thought you were going to say, like, this this famous card-playing-making company turned it into electric games. I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, not entirely yes. false either, but yeah, the, the Nintendo home console, the actual console changing into a handheld. Um crazy innovative crazy successful uh again dominated for 30 fucking years um the world would not be the same without it and i don't i don't just say that as a nintendo fanboy uh so yeah oh, i, I thought the, it was a clever item to put on this list yeah and now the switch is the best-selling handheld of all time is it did it cross that threshold i'm pretty or sure it it i saw that headline somewhere all right i gotta look that up now but uh yeah no, i mean you're definitely not wrong. Like, I think, I think that counts as a medium change. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. all out. I mean, it's it's playing from your house to playing on your bus, on the bus or something, or wherever, somewhere else outside. <laughs> so, I did like Ruli's jump from card playing card company to video game company. <laughs> uh, that one not wrong. It's also good. Um, oh, on the reverse side of that hey let's talk about uh what was it konami that went from video games to plinko machines <laughs> pachinko. or pachinko. pachinko yes they went to, to bad uh 80s game shows <laughs> i just yeah, I, like, yeah. I like plinko uh it was a good orm dear <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> listener you won't understand that reference i promise you uh, all right. Well, I got one more on the list here, gentlemen, and this is this is the ultimate, the ultimate franchise when it comes to changes of medium. They have they have been in in literally every medium, 
And I think the thing about this particular franchise is that most people don't even know where they originated. This is uh, which originally created by a, a badass Englishman. Uh, it stars a man who knows where his towel is. What could I be talking about? That last part didn't give it away. You are both fucking terrible nerds and you're off the cast. James uh, Bond. <laughs> One of both you was correct. <laughs> yeah, man. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Do you guys actually know where that uh, originated? I thought there was a book, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a radio show or something first. Correct! Which is similar to your, your podcast uh, comment earlier, really. Yeah, no. Originally, it was a, um, a, a radio drama, a radio comedy. Uh, and then it was adapted into the book we all know and love. And then eventually that was adapted, not actually after that, it was adapted into uh, multiple TV seasons. Then there was more books. And then eventually there was the uh, the infamous U.S. movie, which I didn't hate, by the way. Um, but yeah, no, it started as fine. a fucking radio show. This has been through, and of course they have had video games. Um, this has been through every fucking medium, but it started as a radio drama. Wow. Well, I learned something today. <laughs> I, I fucking love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I, I've uh, I listened to all the audiobooks. Absolutely adored them. I didn't actually listen to the radio plays. I probably should. Um, and again, I I actually I have very fond memories of uh, the movie that came out when we were all uh, freshmen in college. And um, I remember that it it launched like it it opened like the same week as finals. And so literally a bunch of us got out of uh, calculus finals. We were all like, oh my god, we all bombed that fucking exam. We're all fucking screwed. Eh, fuck it. Let's go. It was. Is it the ah? Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. It was ah? Fuck it. Let's go watch the Chikers. <laughs> so I have fond memories of going to see that right after a a final. I I damn near failed. Um, Itch Hikers Guide. There you go, gentlemen. Anything else to add before uh, before we wrap? Um, were there any music adaptations? We haven't mentioned anything about like was Pink Floyd's The Wall adapted in <laughs> a musical? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, shit! We should have said that Clue was adapted from a fucking board game to a movie. Yeah, but it was bad, though. Oh, but I love it. It (laughs) is. I I love that movie. Is it great? No, but I love it. I mean, this is Spinal Tap was adapted from a bad idea into an okay idea. Hey, there you go. There you go. (laughs) All right, cool. All right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Zach Ruley, thanks again. Ruley, you win. You fucking win, bro. <laughs> thank you. I try. Yeah, man. Bra fucking vo. Uh, Zach, you get a participation award. It's cool. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. We'll be back. Uh, I guess, well, hopefully we'll be back next week. I guess maybe Zach and I will be back next week to do our super fucking late review of The Witcher. Who fucking knows? Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Gentlemen, thanks again. Thank you, Tom. All right. Until next time, dear listener. QQ changes medium. <sighs> I gotta just, I gotta stop trying to come up with outros and just do QQ. QQ. We gotta do a music video. Or that. Just change the genre. Then you're good. We can go from a podcast to a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. If you like what you hear, check out our website at qq-cast.com. We have multiple types of podcasts, quests, news, reviews, and our choose-your-own-adventure podcast, The QQ Adventure. That website, again, is qq-cast.com. 
Now, please remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends and family, not of their co-workers or co-hosts, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality.